So now we're actually walking under the diorama, and we're going to come up to our uh, to an escalator. The biggest painting in Atlanta is 49 feet tall, longer than a football field, and weighs 10,000 pounds. But it isn't just a painting. It is an immersive experience. Because when you pop up at the top of that escalator, onto the viewing platform... And voila, here's your painting. Now you're in the middle of the scene. Suddenly, you're not in a museum. You are a general looking out over a battle. And it's raging all around you, 360 degrees. Down below, men with muskets are charging forward in a ragged mass. Soldiers duck behind cotton bales, reloading their rifles. Gunpowder clouds pop in the air. And men lie in agony on the ground, limbs twisted, faces distorted. And then off in the distance, the horizon, a haze of blue sky and trees. The battle here may be frozen in time, but the battle over the painting itself has been going on for nearly 150 years. It involves a scheming promoter who changed the painting to fit his own version of history, the cast of Gone with the Wind, Atlanta's first black mayor, and even the voice of Darth Vader himself. But soon this land would become part of the struggle. I'm Dylan Thuris, and today on the show, in partnership with Discover Atlanta, we are taking you to the Battle of Atlanta Cyclorama at the Atlanta History Center. We'll go there after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself. You might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. For your next vacation spot, check out Texas for their vast landscape of culture, regions, destinations, and activities. Explore 350 miles of coastline and every kind of hiking trail from strenuous to wheelchair accessible. Enjoy world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Travel Texas even offers an online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. What we're looking at here is the heart of the battle. This is the maelstrom of battle. This is Gordon Jones, senior military historian at the Atlanta History Center. This immersive painting he's showing us is a slice of one day, July 22nd, 1864. It's about 4.45 in the afternoon, and you can see that the soldiers here in the brown and gray, those are the Confederates. You can see them there in their gray uniforms behind the cotton bales. And those soldiers have just broken through the Union lines. But then look behind you, 
to your left and right, and all you see are Union soldiers. And this is the rest of the Union army coming up for a counterattack. So this is the moment. This is the key moment where the tide is about to turn, where everything hangs in the balance. You can sense the tension. And this was exactly the idea behind the painting. It was created back in the 1880s when there was a trend in the U.S. and Europe of creating these big panoramic scenes that put viewers right in the center of the action. These cyclorama buildings popped up all over the United States, and they were even built to be the same size so that companies could rotate paintings out and always have something new to show their audience. Imagine... You are in the year 1886 when this thing was created. And the only thing you had ever seen was woodcuts in a newspaper, maybe some small photographs. You sure may have seen some large paintings, but you sure hadn't seen one that was 371 feet in circumference and 49 feet high. So... At the time, it would have just knocked your socks off. This was the IMAX theater of the time. The IMAX of the 1800s. Virtual reality of the Victorian era. Same idea. The scenes they wanted to put you in the middle of were always famous stories. Scenes from the Bible. Disasters like the Great Chicago Fire. But the most popular subject was battles. In the U.S., particularly Civil War battles. And when these paintings were made, the Civil War was only 20 years in the past. So you had read about these battles in the paper. You might know someone who had fought in them. It was recent history. This painting's life began in the workshop of the American Panorama Company in 1886 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That studio alone produced seven other cycloramas. And there were plenty of other studios, especially in Chicago and New York. So they were turning these things out. The American Panorama Company employed a team of about 17 artists from Germany. And they used a lot of visual tricks with vanishing points and perspective to make the entire scene seem extremely real. Put your elbows on this rail and you kind of stand back on one foot and you look straight ahead. And what do you see? And you're seeing the horizon. And when you look long enough... And you stare at that, and you can't see what's where the painting ends in your peripheral vision. You're just drawn into that thing. These German artists not only wanted to make it look good, but they also wanted the painting to be accurate. There was a ton of research involved. They traveled to the Atlanta battlefield. They knocked on the doors of aging Union and Confederate veterans to get firsthand accounts. And they even bought old uniforms to make sure they got all of these little details right. You see them the way they actually were in the field on that hot July afternoon. And they have their broad brimmed caps and a lot of them have their coats off because it was so hot. They're not marching in straight lines. You know, they're moving more in masses. And you would only know that if you had talked to the veterans. There was a good reason these artists paid such close attention to the details. They knew that many of the people coming to see these paintings would be veterans, and maybe even veterans of this very battle. Authenticity was a huge selling point. After the Battle of Atlanta Cyclorama debuted in 1886, it traveled across the country. 
But over time, the cyclorama fads started to peter out. Cyclorama buildings were converted into theaters, roller skating rinks, auto garages. And so these things start to go bankrupt because there's so many of them and northern audiences, you know, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. But then along came a Georgia entrepreneur named Paul Atkinson. And Atkinson thought that he could maybe keep this cyclorama gravy train going by bringing the painting to an entirely new audience, not in the north, but in the south. Atkinson bought the Battle of Atlanta cyclorama for an absolute bargain basement price. But he wanted to pitch it a bit to his new southern audience. He thought maybe they wouldn't really want to see a union victory. So what he says is, all right, look, they've been looking at this thing as 4.45 in the afternoon when the union counterattacks. What if we roll back the clock to about half an hour earlier, to about 4.15, which is the time the Confederates made their attack? So let's interpret this as the Confederates attacking, and then let's advertise in the newspaper as the only Confederate victory ever painted. To make this false narrative a little more convincing, Atkinson had to make a few changes. He added an American flag being trampled in the dirt, painted over captured Confederate flags, and where there used to be a group of fleeing Confederate soldiers. Paul Atkinson had repainted in dark blue uniforms to make it look like they were a bunch of, uh, of Union soldiers who were fleeing for their lives in terror. And uh, that was one of the little changes that he made so that a white Southern audience would look and say, yeah, look at those Yankees running for their lives. Another of the uh, changes... uh, Each one was kind of a small change, but taken together, the entire narrative changed. This is a very clear Union victory. But if you look at it from the perspective of the Confederates, you can argue yourself into seeing it one way. If you look at it from the perspective of the Union soldiers, you can argue yourself into seeing it another way. It all depends on who's telling you the story. Even with all his alterations, Atkinson still had a hard time making money off the cyclorama. The building he housed it in collapsed on the painting. And after that, Atkinson sold the cyclorama. It changed hands a few more times, but never really seemed to take off. So what do you do with an attraction that doesn't make money? Donate it to the city and let them take care of it. In the 1920s, the city of Atlanta constructed a new spot for the painting inside of Grant Park. At the time, a segregated park for white visitors only. The painting was a little too big to fit, so the city just lopped some pieces off of it. No big deal. Its new home was a grand building of brick and steel with a marble facade and columns. The city repainted the fleeing soldiers in the 1930s. But in other ways, they seemed to continue Atkinson's pro-Confederate makeover. They even brought in an illustrator who would later work on the movie Gone with the Wind. He added a diorama with life-size human figurines in the foreground and then put them on a floor of real Georgia dirt. When Gone with the Wind was released in 1939, the white members of the cast were brought in to tour the cyclorama as a publicity stunt. They added in a figure that looked like Clark Gable, and to top it off, a triumphant audio narration was added too. When the July sun dropped down upon this fearful day of carnage, the number of slain had reached the appalling figure of 5,000. Newspapers started referring to the cyclorama as a, quote, 
shrine to the Confederacy. Some visitors even fainted when they saw it, supposedly overcome with emotion. This was part of the white Atlanta identity, you know, is, is gone with the wind and that romantic old South, and we are the new South city that's risen from the ashes. And here's the cyclorama of the Battle of Atlanta to remind you of how, quote unquote, we suffered. All right, so that, that's, that's kind of where it's sitting, you know, in the mid 20th century. But then the 1970s came along. In 1973, Maynard Jackson was elected the first black mayor of Atlanta. We are the city that refuses to be divided by... Actually, the first black mayor of any major city in the South. This is a new day. And soon, the problem of the cyclorama landed on his desk. The painting was in terrible shape, wrecked by humidity and fungus, and the city was divided about what to do with it. On one hand, lots of Atlantans said... This glorifies the Confederacy. We don't want anything to do with it. And we certainly don't want our tax dollars going towards this crumbling relic. Meanwhile, on the other side, you had some white Atlantans who were accusing the mayor and the black administration of those, oh, well, you don't care about our history. You're trying to throw it away. You're trying to erase it. And you're just going to let this cyclorama fall to dust and not do anything but Maynard Jackson took a radically different path. He said, look, I'm going to save this painting of the Battle of Atlanta because the Battle of Atlanta is one battle where the right side won. He calls it out just like that. The Union Army won this battle. I'm going to save this painting, which is what he did. Jackson committed $11 million to restore and stabilize the painting. They cleaned out all the bugs and mold in the diorama. They wiped up the buttermilk that had been used as a varnish in the 1930s. And they made sure that the painting would survive into the future. And that old narration was swapped out with a new one. The land came to life in North Georgia in 1864, just as it did every spring. Hayfields green. That is none other than James Earl Jones. It was a new version of the old story for an audience, a city, and a South that was changing and reconsidering old narratives about its history. Three long years of fighting only once touched the face of North Georgia's hills and fields. In 2015, the painting was restored again. It was moved to a new space in the Atlanta History Center, and the pieces that had once been lobbed off to make it fit in its old home were added back on. The idea was to return the painting to as close to its original state as possible. Except for one key difference. The painting had started its life out as entertainment. Then it became a memorial. Now the museum reframes it as something else entirely. It's not an attraction. It's an artifact. Let's treat this as an historical artifact. Let's embed that with these other historical artifacts so that we can tell the story that's really not ever been told before. Treating the painting as an artifact, a piece made at a particular time for a particular reason, means that you can ask questions of it. Like, who made this painting? Why? Whose story does it tell? And whose story is left out? Let's look at the the, the sole black figure in this painting. Between the two trees, you see... Gordon points out that of all the 3,000 figures in the cyclorama, only one of them is black. He's riding on a horse, and there's another riderless horse beside him. And he's talking to two Union soldiers 
who have a body lying between them. So what is that Union soldier saying? Is he saying, go, young man, you are free, in this very paternalistic kind of way? Or a lot of modern audiences would say, yeah, what if, um, what if that guy on the horse, the black guy on the horse, maybe he's a scout. Mm. What if he's telling that Union soldier some information about the, the Confederate army, some secret information? We do know today that there were hundreds of African-American stretcher bearers at the Battle of Atlanta, none of whom appear in the painting. We can speculate that this figure is a scout because we know today that there were African-Americans who escaped enslavement and worked as spies for the Union. And if you visit the Cyclorama today, you'll see a video that explores the perspectives in the painting and the ones that are missing. To me, the Cyclorama is a way to get in touch with that entire Civil War era, nay, the entire history of the United States. If you talk about this stuff and you use this as a teaching tool, boy, it's the artifact that keeps on giving. This is a great gift to to Atlanta. This is a great gift to the United States if it starts that conversation. The Atlanta History Center is open Tuesday through Sunday from 9 to 4. I want to give a special thanks to Gordon Jones for telling us the story of the Atlanta Cyclorama and a special thanks to this episode's sponsor, Discover Atlanta. You can discover more and plan your experience at discoveratlanta.com. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by Amanda McGowan. The production team includes... Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire Seuss, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed and mixed by John Delore. And I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.